There's Lemieux. The center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux. Hello, how are you today? And welcome to uh, another episode of Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. This is season four, episode two. We're calling it The How, as in Mark How, as in How's She Going? But uh, I'm co host Tom, and I'm here with you, uh, as always, with my buddy co host Randy. And it looks like Randy's just, uh, you know, throwing on some shin pad tape here, getting ready to go. Uh, what's the vibe like in the dressing room today, buddy? Oh, you know what? I got the tunes going here for the boys. Uh, fresh playlist, uh, all the best hockey songs, plus, you know, some ACDC on top of that. Um, you know, I forgot some tape, so I had to borrow yours. And uh, here Classic. we go. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. The old forget the shin tape. I mean, you know, some guys go the whole season without bringing shin tape. But, uh, you know, <laughs> actually, here's a question for you. Here's a hot topic, maybe that we can throw to the to the to the listeners some people call it plastic some people call it shin pad tape and some people call it sock tape oh yeah, yeah. i call it what? i call it sock tape yeah i think i'd call it shin pad tape but yeah okay yeah what's the vernacular of choice for you our listeners uh yeah welcome to another episode of talking hockey we're here uh with you live on umfm 101.5 mondays at 5 p.m and of course, you can catch us on the old podcast machine as well. So you can, uh, the easiest way to find that would be, you know, just go to the link in our Instagram bio and then boom, 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 you're on your way with SO. It's like, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then right on the UMFM page as well. So just Google up Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. There are imposter shows called Talking Hockey. We've got our best lawyers on it right now. But, um, you know, the real one is this one, the one you're listening to. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be another great show for you. We've got a special guest coming up that we did a little interview with earlier this week. And that guest, of course, is Chris Hanna of legendary Winnipeg uh, punk slash metal band. I don't know if you really would call metal, but you know what I mean? Uh, Thrash. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Legendary band Propagandi. So Chris Hanna, uh, noted uh, Toronto Maple Leaf fan. He'll be joining us a little later in the program. So for sure, stick around to hear that. Uh, but before we get there, we're going to um, we're going to chit chat a little bit about this and that as we do. Uh, so what, uh, Randy? What what do we want to talk about here? First, we want to talk about Mark Howe a little bit, our guy. Uh, yeah, we got to jump right into Mark Howe's career. You know, we just did a little deep dive before we started recording. Uh, and, you know, he's he's kind of been overlooked in some ways. And that's why we're going to take a few minutes here to to shine the spotlight on on the son of Mr. Hockey. One that's of right, the sons. yeah. 
he's Mr. Hockey Jr., I guess. <laughs> like, Mr. Hockey the second. Yeah. <laughs> Please, Mr. Hockey's my father. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, Mark Howe is definitely, uh, I think, a highly underrated uh, player. So, of course, we name our episodes, you know, uh, the corresponding number with with a sort of a, a player from the past that we a lot of the times it's from the 80s or 90s because that's kind of when we were like growing up watching hockey but you know sometimes we go a little further back or sometimes we'll uh, pick a recent guy but for today he's a guy who wore number two for the Philadelphia Flyers for just about a decade all the way through the 80s and then kind of into the early 90s before he went to Detroit to finish his career but but he played 16 years in the NHL, uh, but he also tacked on um, six years in the WHA. So, excuse me, uh, you know, all in, all told, I think that's about 1,300 games. And his numbers are insane, like his point production and stuff. Like, he was over a point a game in the WHA, like, by a margin, you know what I mean? Uh, 504 points in 426 career games in the WHA. And then as an NHLer, uh, 742 points over 929 games. So those are like really good numbers for a defenseman. But you pointed out something, Randy. He wasn't always a defenseman. Yeah, no, for the first few years of his career, he was playing left wing. Then I guess it just got to the point where, and it could be similar to like our beer league teams. It's like, we don't have enough defensemen, so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Someone draws the short straw. You're dropping back tonight, bud. Yeah, uh, Mr. Howie, uh, Mr. Hockey, the second, uh, we need you back on the point there. And <laughs> it looks like uh, it was all fine and dandy back there because he went on to kind of, you know, com- complete such a, uh, you know, a, a crazy career. And if you look at like the one of the big things that just jumped out to me is he has the record for most career shorthanded goals by a defenseman with yeah. 28, which is wild. That's, yeah. Um, But also... You know, you gotta you gotta think. You know, not only is Mark Howe, I guess, living in a little bit of the shadow of his dad, he yeah. also had to live in the shadow of that '80s Oilers team. So yeah. while while he was like such a great defenseman for Philadelphia, and they met, you know, the Oilers in the finals, he had guys like Paul Coffey uh, on the other side of the ice, uh, you know, competing for the Norris Trophy every year and all that stuff. So. Mark was nominated three times, didn't get to win, yeah. likely because uh, Ray Bork and, yeah, and right. Paul Coffey were probably winning. Yeah, he played in an era with some other really great defensemen, obviously. And But, I mean, uh, he he didn't, uh, you know, he, he doesn't get included in that conversation enough, I don't think. He's a Hall of Famer, as he should be. Um, and uh, noted, uh, noted Cooperalls wear like hockey pants. Uh, there's some great photos of those uh, Flyers teams that wore the long pants, which were so bizarre. They had a stripe down the side for some of the years, and then other years they were just straight black, which is kind of cool. I don't know. It's, I don't know if those will ever make a comeback. But <laughs> well, and you probably don't need sock tape. There, no so. sock tape needed. Yeah, no shin pad tape needed. Yeah. Um, but another cool thing about Mark Howe is how he played with uh, his dad and his brother, like all at once on the same team. So that was in the WHA with the Houston uh, Arrows. I almost called them Astros, um, but the Houston Arrows. And then they moved to uh, New England to be the New England Whalers slash Hartford Whalers. 
and then they joined the NHL and then Mark was either traded or signed or whatever with, with Philly. But um, yeah, there was a few years there where the, the Howe family was, you know, winning, they won the Avco cup and stuff. And, you know, they were, they were killing it down there in Houston and some great photos of the trio of them. eh? Like, um, well, and, the, and, ho- and having three Howes on one team, they, uh, I'm pretty sure Gordy Howe, Mark Howe, Marty Howe, they had their whole name across yeah. their name <laughs> yeah. bar because you couldn't just put Howe because yeah. which one is it? And yeah. I guess you couldn't put M Howe because is it Mark or Marty? Yeah, <laughs> and you exactly. can't you, you can't do M A or M A R like you got to go <laughs> for the whole thing. <laughs> so and, whoever was the equipment manager for the for the Whalers at that time, you know, I guess his uh, sewing machine was going 110 <laughs> percent for sure. Yeah, and and he a uh, good thing that they they have like uh, a short last name. You know, if their yeah. last name was like some big long you know casperitis yeah yeah exactly (laughs) like so it worked out all right but uh yeah and actually Um, we need i also need to precede this so this is something that we did um last year for the first time and for the record al mckinnis was the first number two so just wanted to put it out there we didn't forget (laughs) about al and and his booming slap shot um and his cocky hair and a wonderful career so he was first, season three, season four, Mark Howe. That's right. Yeah. And you can always check the archives, uh, you know, when you're perusing the podcast. If you don't catch us live on UMFM 101.5 here in Winnipeg. Um, yeah. Podcasting to the world. Um, again, I need voice effects for that. I got to get some uh, some reverb going. But uh, anyway, um, why don't we switch gears now from Mark Howe to something a little more current? And that is our local team, the Winnipeg Jets. Um, <clears throat> I had the uh, the pleasure of attending a game last night. My first time back in the barn uh, in, in a long time. I was trying to remember what the last game I would have went to was. And I believe it was against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, and that would have been early March of 2020, I think it was. It was... Um, <clears throat> you know, just before the world shut down, basically. Um, and uh, anyway, so I went to the game against the New York Islanders on Saturday night, hockey night in Canada game. And I don't know what it is, but the Jets cannot win on hockey night in Canada. <laughs> yeah. They just they seems to be the a, case. Yeah. 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 They're not a hockey night in Canada team. They don't do well on those games, but the Islanders played a classic New York Islanders stingy yeah. game. You know, it was, it was a two nothing final and the Jets just, had a hard time getting anything going because the Islanders are so stifling. Um, and that's just the way they play. They got the Barry Trot system going. They got that Ilya Sorokin. He's uh, that's his third shutout of the year already. And he's um, actually, I've got him on my fantasy league team. So just doing great for me in that regard. <laughs> but last night I was like, well, I hope we could win, you know, three, two or something. But uh, anyway, yeah, no, it was it was really fun to be back at the rink, you know, like I missed it. And uh, yeah, I just um, it was it was it was interesting. Like, I think uh, we all forget that you can like yell through your mask. So like I've noticed it on TV and being at the game, I noticed it as well. It's a little like there's like no there's no there. Was, well, there was like one chant, like one oh, yeah. go Jets go chant. 
but like I, it, it's it seems quieter like when you're watching the game on tv and like when mm-hmm. when i was at the rink it just didn't seem like as loud but it also wasn't sold out and apparently that's the fifth straight home game that hasn't been sold out and i've noticed across the league it's not just winnipeg obviously but across the league there's been um a lot of buildings that are are less than capacity and i don't know you know there's probably several reasons for that but um yeah i noticed you you, you notice a bit more now like jets pushing tickets for sale like get your tickets now yeah. you know by by for the next coming games or whatever i think the attendance numbers have been roughly around 13 and a half thousand people yeah which which means there's roughly i guess two thousand empty seats or however yeah. that factors into maybe uh maybe the booths like or the the um what you call the sweets the sweets yeah. um but yeah you're you're right like i think watching the games on tv it seems a little a little quiet um but you know i you know i put put a few more wins together for the jets i think yeah. that thing starts uh sliding the other way and i'm well, sure and, people and, are a little hesitant to kind of jump right back in and, and yeah for sure and like last night the jets didn't exactly give us a ton to cheer about you know there was no goals scored by them there was a couple good hits that got a round of applause and whatnot but it was uh it was a a quiet a quiet game really like there was only i think one penalty per side um which i don't mind you know like um i kind of i don't love games that get uh super dictated by special teams like I, i like i like five on five but uh yeah, it was it was it was fun being back in the building, and it was like, um, it was it was uh, you know, uh, less crowded on the in the in the um, concourse. You know what I mean? But it was good. So actually, one segment that we're totally forgetting about is the wearing the pants segment, which yeah. which uh, we'll bring back next episode. But just before we throw to our interview here with Chris. I just want to hear your thoughts on seeing Eric Comrie play a couple games back to back. Okay. Yeah. I'll do a real quick one. Cause we've got to get to this, uh, this interview, but um, yeah, like honestly, like I didn't have much faith in him and, and he's played, he's played four games. Now he's got a three and one record, pretty good goals against average and save percentage and watching him live last night. I was like, yeah, no, you know what? Like he's playing pretty good. Like both the goals, the Islanders scored last night is, you know, the first one, he was on his knees pretty early, and the guy just roofed it right over him. But other than that, I thought he played really, really well. And, um, you know, a little bit of faith restored in him because I, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I didn't have a ton uh, when they kind of announced that he'd be the backup this year. Um, I think, you know, for the Jets to go anywhere, they need Hellebuck in the net. But Comrie has shown so far over the first few games uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Not a, not a, uh, I, I was expecting not the success that he's had so far, so it's nice to see. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's throw to this interview with Chris Hanna, uh, guitarist, singer of Propagandy, and uh, yeah, take it away. All right, thank you for joining us, Chris. Uh, Chris Hanna of Propagandy. Um, and Cress of Steel, which we'll get into in a little bit here, but it's a, a pleasure to have you on Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. Uh, welcome to the program. Well, thanks, Tom, and thank you to you as well, Randy, for having me on your show. 
um it's been it's been a you know uh i guess a process in the making we we went on quite a heater i guess you could call it last year with a bunch of punk rock hockey legends we were trying to get you in the mix there but at least now you're here uh, oh i'm i'm b-list i see okay well no we we needed to give you the summer to maybe uh train a little and kind of get into it but glad, glad that you can make it work chris thanks nice yeah um Let's let's kick it off here with a little bit of uh, background info. How did uh, Chris Hanna get into hockey? Um, you know, did did you play as a kid? Um, you know, like what were what were your earliest sort of hockey memories? Like where did where did it all sort of where did the interest come from for you? Um, I didn't have any interest as a kid. I got thrown on the ice. Um, we came back, my dad was military and we were living in Australia and we, uh, he accepted a posting to Portage Prairie, Manitoba for some reason from Australia. And, uh, as soon as we got there, he put skates on me and threw me on the ice. He had no, he had no hockey background himself, like no sports ground uh, background at all. But he thought, I don't know if he saw signs of possible emerging problems with me, but he wanted me to be doing he wanted me out of the house with other kids. So probably six or seven years old, they just threw me into a game. And, uh, and I don't know if I actually liked it for a long time. At some point, did, did you grow to like it? I mean, I assume you did. Yeah, I, what, I, yeah. I did more so uh, as an adult, actually. With, yeah. you know, beer league hockey, I found much more enjoyable than a lot of my experiences as a kid. In fact, like one of my most... I mean, it's, it was exciting, like in Portage, especially because, and I mean, the times have changed, but it was really exciting as a kid because there was, well, it was exciting and depressing because there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of violence in, in rural hockey back then. And as a kid, it was exhilarating at times and very frightening at times. So, and I, I don't mean this just on ice stuff. There was stuff happening in the dressing rooms, coaches versus kids and parents versus parents, small town versus small town. Um, and like many people who go through those things and we know they're bad and we wouldn't want them for our kids. There is like this weird, twisted, exhilarated nostalgia for some of that. Um, so, but at the time, like I said, my dad was an Air Force guy, didn't care about sports. And my my most vivid memory was in Portage in the, playing a game and I was on the bench and all the parents are going crazy behind us in the bleachers. And I look up across the rink to the glass, to the, to the cafeteria. And my dad is sitting there behind the glass reading a Len, a Len Dighton novel, like a spy novel. And I was just looking, you know, thinking, wow, he doesn't want to be here and I don't want to be here, you know? So it was just, it was, you know, like all these other parents are going crazy and he's just reading a book. And I just, it was weird. My whole young hockey experience really. So, so that was six or seven you, you started, like how long did you play? Cause I know like, you know, I guess quite a few people in our circle, we played hockey as young kids and then like mid teens roll around and you kind of get sick of it. You don't want to be a part of it. You kind of go away from the game and you come back to it. So from six or seven, like how long did you play? I played till probably 15, maybe 16. And I remember the day that I quit 
I was playing uh, rec league hockey, like I always had, you know, never got on the competitive teams. And we were at St. James Civic Center on this new team and uh, played a shift or two, came back to the bench, waiting for our next shift. Whistle goes, coach stops the three of us from going out and puts on these guys behind us. I, again, I barely want to be here and I'm not coming all the way here and, and sitting on the bench. And then anyway, at the time I was getting way more interested in guitar and, and, uh, you know, I was so into the thrash metal scene at the time. I, you know, I was like, F it, F hockey. Yeah. It seems to be kind of a, a reoccurring theme of people we've talked to and our own stories of, of, you know, you hit that mid teen mark when you're 15, 16, whatever. And the sort of authority of hockey comes down hard on you. And it's like, why? Like, you're just, you don't care about it. It's like, I'd rather be doing other things. Um, so, you know, you, you go off and, and you, you know, you're playing in bands, propaganda takes off, you, you tour the world, you do all these things. At what point did you kind of come back to hockey and say, that's something I might be interested in doing again. Man, it was a long time because I skipped the, the whole nineties. I didn't even pay attention to any hockey at all. I skipped the whole decade. And then it was late nineties, early two thousands at George's house. We used to get together and watch, you know, have the playoffs in the background as we're drinking. And uh, it was a really exciting time for uh, like franchises. Like Toronto was doing well. Ottawa was, was kicking ass you know, they were beginning to knock on the playoff door and it was, it was, we really got back into it. Well, I mean, Jordan was probably stayed into it the same way he was, but, uh, uh, it was opening my eyes again to the excitement, you know, that I had forgotten through the years. And that, then that led to, I must've played like a little bit of like shinny here and there, like once in a while and crossed paths with, uh, I guessed Eric, Eric Paz, who was like the longstanding GM of Crest of Steel. And uh, somebody talked about starting a beer league team. And yeah, and I, and I got back into it. And I think we all, I think a lot of us had a reawakening. And I was, I was probably 39, maybe even 39 or 40 when that happened. So that's a long time. So what was it about like, we know that you're a huge Leafs fan. Um, was it just like the atmosphere, the vibe, you know, like, you know, just cheering for somebody? Like, wh what was it that drew you to, to that whole? Bob, Bob Cole's, uh, you know, <laughs> lustrous voice or whatever. That probably, that probably didn't hurt. I don't know. At the time, there, were, there seemed like there was so much character in the league. You know, like, um, if you think of the Leafs in the, in the early mid-2000s uh, where they were like, they were good for the first few years, the 2000s, and they got so bad it was like fun to, you know. I don't know if you remember over your house, Randy. We were watching a Leafs game, and I I got up and cheered because they they broke out of their own zone, and like, <laughs> Carter was like, "Oh fuck! I thought they scored a goal the way you reacted." I know this, this is how you react when Leafs get it out of their zone. You you cheer. Um, but back in in those days, like the I guess the Ottawa Toronto rivalry was was more substantial back then too. It was, I don't know. There's like Alfredson, Spezza, Sundin, you know, there was just like Tucker and Caberlet. It seemed like a, a real golden age of characters. 
on the team. It was heated. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good rivalry. So here's a, maybe a, like a, a shot at ourselves for poor nicknames, but you know, some of us refer to you as Chelios mainly because your name's Chris. <laughs> well, I thought it was because I was old. Oh, I thought it was. <laughs> I, I thought it was Chris, but anyways, but you you have number thirteen, or you were number thirteen on Chris of Steel because of Matt Sundin, right? Yeah, yeah. So we should have called you Matts or something. I don't know, but <laughs> but anyways, like, what was it about Matt Sundin? Like, you know, uh, you know, was it the poker commercials or his hockey? Play? <laughs> uh. I don't know what it was. I guess just, just the dominant presence that he was. I don't know if you remember that time Commissaric went after, uh, was it, he went after a rookie, was it Grabowski or somebody and Sundin just plastered him into the Habs. I don't know if you remember that footage, but things mm-hmm. like that were really exciting then. And, uh, and actually Sundin was at a time when nobody was really doing this. He was like, doing some PSAs for landmine removal around, Mm. around earth. It seemed like a kind of unique and socially responsible thing to do. And that kind of appealed to me. Yeah. Uh, Stood out amongst, uh, amongst his peers, perhaps. I liked Sundin. Um, He, he had a, a shootout move. He basically, it was like foolproof and it was just a wrist shot from the slot. And it was like top cheddar every time. Every time. It's like, you know, it's coming. You just can't stop it. Yeah. Because you don't see the stick really move. Like it's just like, yeah, I, he was, he was such a big guy. I saw him play live a couple of times. My very first ever NHL game was with the Quebec Nordiques uh, against the Ottawa senators in their first ever um, season. It was an exhibition game in Halifax and it would have been uh, Sundin's rookie season. Wow. And I remember him coming out like through the, the tunnel and we had seats just over the tunnel and just thinking like, like this is the largest human I have ever seen. Like, yeah, he, yeah. Was, he, was, he was big. He would have been just a kid then too. Like yeah. I remember yeah. I have his rookie 18, hockey 18, card. Yeah. He looks like a, a giant baby. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Were you after like the whole Doug Gilmore era? Like you didn't really get into that. Uh... I, I was, you know, I kind of like, I was partly aware of it because the, the first team I ever cheered for was the Leafs. When Gretzky showed up, I, I had relatives in Alberta, and I went and saw Oilers games, so I became an Oilers fan. When Gretzky left, like tying in with me quitting hockey, when Gretzky went to L.A., I felt betrayed as a young, yeah. as a young hockey fan. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, I got cynical. And I, I skipped out on the nineties, but I, you know, I kind of kept my ear to the early nineties, almost uh, success story of, of the Gilmore era. And yeah. when, I mean, Wendell Clark was hard to ignore, you know, a lot of highlight footage. Um, but I, I do regret not going full in on that, on that era. Cause that, that like 93 or 94, 93, 93. that would have been their, their closest, yeah. uh, you know, attempt at a Stanley cup. Right. I guess. Yeah. They got to the conference final lost seven games to LA. And and then Gretzky, uh, the high stick that gets missed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's fast forward a little bit here then and and get a little bit of this caress of steel oral history. If we, if you, if you will. Um, So you're a founding member. I'm sitting here with two founding members of the caress of steel hockey club. Um, I've only had what, five, six years of service now. Uh, I don't have my gold watch yet or anything like that, but 
It's in um, the mail, Tom. It's in the mail. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let, let's kind of get the lowdown of, you know, uh, how that came to be. Like, how did you, you, you had mentioned kind of, um, you know, just sort of like you started getting interested in it again and, and thought it'd be fun. But like, how did the actual like, uh, was is there any interesting folklore about those early days of the team, I should say? Well, it was, again, like Eric Paz um, cobbled together this room full of people who seemed all loosely affiliated with the Winnipeg music scene, like in punk bands, hardcore bands, that sort of, that, that was my impression at the time, that everybody was connected through music somehow. Yeah, suddenly, like we were just sitting in a room and voting on a team name, and then suddenly we were on the ice, and I was like, oh my God, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I mean, anybody who knows Eric, he is a serial hockey organizer, not even hockey. He's a serial organizer, community organizer of the highest standard. And uh, he, he is the, the main culprit behind Caress of Steel. For sure. As far as I remember. What, what can you tell us about the name, like selecting the name? Do you remember that at all? Because I was, I, I, was, I was after that. There was a vote. I think it was Eric's house where people put names into a hat or how did it work? But it was uh beef, David Gillis, who, who came up with the name Cress of Steel. Nice. And uh, like, I think there was a lot of really terrible, typical beer league <laughs> names in there, you know? And, uh, but Cress of Steel, like it stood out. And as a Rush fan, it really appealed to me. Yeah. And uh, I think it won by a narrow margin. Nice. Is it? I think. I think. Holy Divers was one. Oh, that. Yeah, that could have been one too. I'm That's pretty sure. One. Yeah, That's it could have been. One. Take us through. Uh, you know, because I can vividly remember them, but take us through like those first, say, three seasons of Crest of Steel. First uh, from three, what, from what you remember. Did I think we got? Did we get slaughtered the first year? We did. We got demolished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we had like a full bench every single game. 15 skaters. That's like four oh, lines. I'm, yeah. Three, I remember the first game. I remember the first game. The full bench was full before the Zamboni even hit the ice. <laughs> you know, the other team's bench is empty. Like maybe one guy from the other team poking his head out thinking, what the fuck are those guys doing on the bench already? <laughs> We're all out there ready to go. Um. Yeah, okay. there was a lot of a lot of enthusiasm, but not a lot of experience. I think Randy, you and um, what was his name? Carl, Rudy. Uh, oh, Ru uh, Rupee. Rupee. Yeah, yeah Ru Rupee was really good. Yeah, and then you had the most experience, and Eric, I would say, right? There was also Colin. Do you remember Colin? Oh yeah, Colin. Yeah, yeah. Colin was pretty and good too. And then Carl wasn't Carl Clausen or something like that. Uh, oh yeah, Carl. He was yeah, on our no. first year too. So we yeah we had a, a nice little handful of of uh good players maybe like in years three and four when really the caressive steel identity was formed i could say like when did the caressament come around oh that that was a little <laughs> bit later but like we were notorious for like being the only team that would forecheck so hard you know <laughs> like we we yeah. would we would yeah. hem, hem teams in their own zone for like a whole period kind of thing yeah what do you remember from those seasons of just like the, the, the nonstop barrage of caressive steel? I do remember teams being taken aback um, by the four check and, and often taking like objecting to it. 
like 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 as if you're not supposed to try so hard or something you know uh but yeah like people bought in uh it seemed like everybody was trying to do it like despite some guys you know having some skating challenges perhaps but people were going hard and it was i do remember i don't know if it was year three or four but it was paying off at some point like we had a we had a, a year where we had a we had a winning record didn't we oh yeah there was a year or two we like we made it to the finals once i remember we got lit up like nine to one in the finals oh though. i remember i remember a game oh who's that other guy we had he was really good remember he had just his pants were just torn up oh jamie mcdonald jamie yeah yeah, yeah. i remember i remember uh the last play of the year perhaps the last year i played we were playing a game to get into the playoffs or to continue on to the championship do you remember that last shift not i don't i don't know where you're going what, what okay, happened okay well we we had a chance to tie it up i came around the net fed jamie come in from the point my classic i usually do it with cullen but i did it with jamie and he had a wide open net and he missed and, and that's why he's wow. moved the, to Nova Scotia. And that's why, yeah, that's why we sent him to Victoria, BC. Is that where um, Victoria? Yeah, yeah. It, your your last season coincided with my first season uh, with Caress, I believe. Just only one year together? I, I thought. Oh, we maybe there were two, but I I thought it was or one uh, one and a part, maybe one yeah, and a bit. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, tell tell the listeners, like, I mean, Randy and I have seen you play. We know what kind of player you are, and I would describe you as a player with a lot of, a lot of vim and vigor, little, little bit of, <laughs> you know, why don't you tell the listeners uh, how you like to play the game? Well, I just, I like to, I like the uh, pressure, pressure, make them make mistakes. That's what I tell my kids. Like, like we, I help coach an A2 team, uh, U13s and a, and a U9 team. And that's the message always is like, it doesn't matter if they're better, you pressure, make them make mistakes. And it all, it almost always works, yeah. you know, unless the guy, unless the guy you're forechecking against is really good yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in D or, or E division where we were, people make mistakes. So yeah. yeah, I loved it. I loved, and I loved when everybody bought in and we're all going hard and just a good time. Yeah. There nice. was a few seasons where we were completely dialed in together. Like, we were all getting to the rink early. We would go to stick and puck together and yeah, like, yeah. you know, practice and the, the yeah. full on like hard work beats skill when skill doesn't work. Oh yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. You know, we, we obviously have to chat a little bit about music here when it comes to hockey songs. Uh, Coach's corner is likely, you know, if there was a top 10 of hockey songs, I think Tom and I would both put it pretty high on that list. I think it was the first song we featured on our show when we started thinking about putting songs on our show. Oh, nice. Beat out Stompin' Tom, eh? (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, it did. So just curious, like, when it comes to, like, almost combining those two worlds, you know, you got the punk rock, you know, you left hockey for punk rock and for metal and thrash metal, uh, and then you ended up coming back to hockey, like, Lots of people have obviously heard Coach's Corner and in, in all your material, but how about like the the parallels between the two and, and combining them? Is that something that's like a conscious effort on your part sometimes, like taking the things that you love and throwing them into a bowl and mixing them together, kind of thing? Yeah, or maybe or at least reflecting on them, like you know, why do I love this thing? Like it's so you know you have so many conflicted emotions about this this thing that you love, like um, and so that will 
tend to creep up in how you express yourself or what you decide to express in the world. And um, as far as like parallels between the two, like I think that's why I like Beer League. You know, I like Crest of Steel because we felt like, you know, not to be too cheesy, it felt like this kind of punk rock team in a in a division of assholes. You know, and that's not totally true. Like some of the teams really cool, but often, you know, we felt like underdogs and we felt like the good guys genuinely, you know, the way people would talk to each other on the ice or how you react to a guy punching in the face or whatever, you know, um, and just being charged up about it. So, but I think that song specifically is more about the conflict. I feel consuming the professional hockey product that we all, the mainstream one, and passing that on to my kids and like trying to let me tell you this story that happened the other day actually um me and a couple other dads were standing outside of this rink during tryouts and one dad is like so like what are you guys hoping for for your kids for hockey anything like you're hoping they go on to something we're all like no not really like just just fun and uh this other dad was like yeah uh, I hate hockey. I hate hockey culture. I don't want my kid around it. I'm just doing what he wants to do for now. Like it's full of assholes. And, and I was, and he said, no offense to you guys. Cause he knows we all coach kids in the, in this league. And I thought about it. I was like, yeah, he's, he's right. But then is the solution just to hand the whole thing over to the assholes, like just <clears throat> concede it to them or do we, or do we try to make it better? You know, like obviously on, on a macro scale, we don't have much effect on it. And as the news coming out today shows, there's still lots of problems in uh, professional hockey for, for, uh, for our culture as a whole. But I think, I th- you know, I, it was, it's encouraging Randy to hear that you took a gig, a coaching gig with a, with a youth team too recently, because it's a chance for us to like, to pass on, better values, you know, totally. uh, to young players who will hopefully become the norm in, in hockey culture as the year goes on, instead of things just staying the way they've always been. Yeah. I'm going to have to hit you up for some coaching tips for sure, but, <laughs> but, but I've got, I've, I'm, I'm dealing with the U 18. So yeah. that's going to be a little different. Very different. Yeah. Just Very different than that caress. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll bring the crescent and yeah, just throw it yeah. down on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> study up <laughs> and, and walk right out. Um, uh, but actually, and one maybe one last thing to kind of go over. Um, so you know, you were notorious for being, uh, you know, a right winger on Crest's steel, burning up <laughs> and down, burning up and down those boards. Uh, you know, causing all kinds of mayhem. But now you find yourself between the pipes. So uh, right. just let yeah. it, uh, tell us about how, how did you become a goaltender? The transition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would two, two kids in hockey, um, a 12 year old and a, and an eight year old and uh, the pandemic hits and the league is put on hold. Teams are allowed to practice, but that's it. There's no games. Um, so I build this tiny backyard rink and borrow like the community center had like a giveaway pile for some gear. And there was a, pair of like 80s goalie pads and I took them and just put on my hockey gear with these goalie pads and let the kids take a few shots and that wasn't a good idea because <laughs> there's lots of I mean regular go- hockey gear does not protect your body I wasn't so sure so 
then I thought, you know, we're doing these practices for this team. There's like, we're going to do this all year, like just one goalie. And sometimes the goalie doesn't show up for whatever reason, like this is boring. So I thought, well, I'll price out some goalie gear, throw it on. Then we'll have two goalies and we can scrimmage amongst ourselves. And uh, did that was as terrible as you could imagine uh, a 50 year old goalie would be, but starting out at 50, but um, I felt like in a way I felt uh, it was so exhilarating. I felt like I had missed my calling in a way. Like I, I could see the appeal of gold suddenly um, at the same time, suddenly realizing the gold goaltender is the, it's the hardest position oh, there is. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea how hard it is. And so now I'm the de facto goalie coach for our U13 team. And uh, I'm going tonight actually to play goal with them. And, uh, and I'm trying to be the goalie in these, you know, these scrimmage, the crest of steel scrimmages that have been happening on Saturdays. It's just, uh, I don't know if my body can take, all this, you know, like three, <laughs> three, three ice times a week in, in net. It's, it's so hard on your body. Yeah. I, um, or it's, it's hard on a, a dilapidated body at least. So well, I got to say though, happens. you're, you're very quick. Like, yeah. And positionally, I thought you've looked pretty good too. Like, honestly, it's for a guy who's just picked it up. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. I mean, oh, good. thank you. Thank I you. feel like if I went, in nets i'd be standing there and next thing you know i'm in the corner i'm like yeah. looking behind me where's the post you know what i mean like the broken controller in nhl yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chris do you have any other um songs in your in your canon or uh you know songs that you are familiar with like by other bands whatever that that are um, you really dig and that have some sort of hockey connection to oh geez uh put you on the spot a little like, bit there yeah. besides tom cochran um <laughs> yeah. no that's uh, the only one or something on your like pump up playlist maybe or yeah, something I don't like know. when you're when you're gearing up like 10 years ago for crest of steel what was that one song in the, in the dressing room that would kind of get you going oh i think me and bob uh both were like thought metallica's whiplash was the ultimate get ready for a game song okay actually yeah. on that note too just talk about we got to give Bob the his his due diligence here. Like, oh, you like the season me and me and Bob lit it up. That that might have been the season we were listening to Whiplash before the games. <laughs> but yeah, you yeah. and you and Bob led the team in scoring that year, right? Yeah, it was that was a weird one. Eh? And so, who who <laughs> else was on your line though? Was it you? No, I don't know. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> who was on the line? Um, maybe it was just me and Bob. Oh, yeah. Carter it was Carter. <laughs> No, I think I was with Carter. Who was like I would I would have been right, Bob would have been left. Someone maybe was it, we're was it Steve? I don't know, maybe. No. I like that's all I remember from that year is that you and Bob were just like just like dialed in. Yeah, we had a play. We had a yeah. play. I, I'd gain the zone, drop it back to him, he'd do his shot, and I would try to deflect it in the net. Um <laughs> we and uh, I have no idea who our centerman was. How, how we'll disrespectful give, we'll give all, of me. Yeah. We'll give cool. all credit though to Whiplash by Metallica for for your line's great success <laughs> yeah. that season. Thanks again for for doing this, Chris. Much appreciated. Yeah, you guys too.
All right, so that was Whiplash by Metallica, and that was a, a frequently requested song, as you heard, but from Chris Hanna and our other Crested Steel me, uh, teammate, Bobby. Uh, Bobby the Laser Mazer uh, <laughs> might be even listening to the to the show right now on his uh, drive home from work. Tommy, yeah. uh, looks like, you know, we're, we're about uh, first week or second week of November here. Uh, the hot topic that is just on the top of my mind right now, the question that is burning is when you go to the outdoor rink, do you wear a jersey or are you just wearing your jacket? Uh, I'll tell you, I'm probably 90% of the time I'm a jersey guy. A jersey um, guy, right on, okay. Honestly, I, I often will rock my Winnipeg Jets jersey when I go to the outdoor rink. Um uh, it doesn't have a, a name or number on the back. It's a standard sort of blue uh, home jersey or whatever. And uh, um, yeah, that's often the one I will wear. I, I do have a you know a collection. Um, sometimes I wear my Montreal Canadiens uh, sweater when I go out, uh, or uh, I'll, I'll sometimes wear my um, sweater that I that we got uh, at the Riverview four on four a couple years ago, which was the, our team was the hat trick Swayze's and uh, kind of the Vancouver Canucks classic black, yellow, red uh, color scheme. And uh, we each had like a Swayze character name <laughs> or part on the back. I was, <laughs> mine just said ghost. <laughs> yours, yours was young blood. Young blood. Yeah. 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 Um, so those are those are probably the the three I wear the most uh, to the to the ODR. Are you? What about you? You're. A... I'm more of a jacket guy, but yeah. same same for you. I've got a Jets jersey, no name on the back, uh, no mm -hmm. name or number. Uh, my I guess my other go to jersey when I do wear one is I've got the Penguins Winter Classic jersey, like the dark blue one with oh, yeah. the with the logo of the penguin like wearing the scarf uh, yeah. and it's like the light blue stripes and then the dark blue, which nice. is, I think this, you know, the penguins were in like in a million winter classics. Oh, they've played in like every winter classic. It <laughs> but seems I think like, it was yeah. the, like not the one when Crosby scored the shootout goal. That was against to, Buffalo maybe. Yeah. So the next one where they were wearing like the darker blue. Um, yeah. But that just kind of reminded me of something. I feel like I'm totally ready to get a Jets jersey with a name and number on it now. Yeah. And I, I think I've decided and it's it's maybe this is going to be a little disturbing to hear from from Jets fans. But I do <laughs> I do think I want to get an aviator jersey. OK, like the light blue ones. I think yeah, I want to yeah. go there maybe because they're now like not being used anymore. Yeah. And I see that they're like on ma major discounts. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so, so what name and number would you get? Would you uh, get like a. I'm, I'm going, no, I'm going for sure. Oh, Lina, you could probably get one for seven bucks. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like no, I think, deals. I, I think I got to go with Casey, Kyle Connor, number 81. Yeah. 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 Right on. Well, I think, uh, you know, I considered doing it last night actually, because they had the hair, the, the blue heritage classic jerseys were on sale last night, 25% off at the, at the gear store or whatever. And I didn't do it, but I was, I was like, Oh, maybe I should, but I want to get, uh, I want to get one of those, and I think I would get number seventeen, Adam Lowry on the oh, back. Oh yeah, that'd be a sweet jersey. Yeah. yeah, you don't see too many Lowry jerseys. Although that said, when I left the rink and I was going to the bus stop to wait for my ride home there, uh, I did see a kid right in front of me with the reverse retro 
like the weird gray ones there. Oh, yeah. And he had Lowry on the back. And I was like, huh, I almost ran up and gave him a high five. Yeah. That's well, you know, when you get one, you're going to see them everywhere after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're running out of time here, Tommy. Maybe just uh, look ahead to next week. Yeah, sure. So we're going to have another great episode for you. We're going to feature um, uh, some Americans on our show. <laughs> uh, the Zambonis. They are a band whose uh, claim to fame is every song about hockey since... 1992, I think, is uh, is the date that they kind of got her going. But um, yeah, uh, Dave Zamboni for sure is going to be on the show. We'll see if he brings uh, one of his bandmates. Um, but yeah, they've got a new record out, so we'll be talking about that. Um, and uh, we did have them on the show last year, and they were a lot of fun. So uh, for sure, tune in next week to hear from the zambonis and something we're going to talk about on that episode with dave who's a big hockey music guy is yeah. our top three hockey songs you, you know right. um so uh listeners out there uh send in your lists to us top three hockey songs whether you find us on uh instagram or uh twitter or while we're walking down the street uh yeah. wearing our <laughs> jerseys uh but yeah no send in your send in your top three hockey songs and we'll go through the lists with with dave next week and we do of course have an official talk and hockey uh playlist it's on apple music um i've not converted it to spotify because you know uh whatever but <laughs> uh, um but it, it, if you want to listen to it uh, on Apple Music, you can click the link in our bio that is on our Instagram, which is at Talk and Hockey Podcast, and uh, it, it'll take you right to that playlist. We've got it's like fifty or sixty songs deep now. It's a good several hours of listening pleasure, and most of the songs are hockey related. Some of them are um, songs that are from our our, our bands that we've featured on the show, like uh, done interviews with in the past. And uh, yeah, so like uh, we'll put up uh, this propaganda song that we're about to go out on here, which is Dear Coach's Corner. I said that weird, Dear Coach's Corner. There we go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thanks for tuning in. Keep your stick on the ice. Always check the lie of your stick and uh, we'll see you next time. On Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. That was sickening last week, by the way. What? Oh, that's what is that going joke. on with you here? No, it's not. What is this stuff on here? We're Hockey Night in Canada, and we're talking about saving the world and all that stuff. Let's talk hockey. Well, that's the whole idea behind December yeah. the 25th. Let's talk about some good guys. Okay. Let's talk about the troops. Between these mandatory breaking